Art Blooms Everywhere in the Flower City. Joining me on the phone today is Laura Warren Hill. Dr. Hill is an associate professor of history at Bloomfield College and the author of the book Strike the Hammer, The Black Freedom Struggle in Rochester, New York, 1940 to 1970. It was published earlier this year. Thank you, Laura, and welcome to Art Blooms. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pleased to be here. What led you to write this book? Well, you know, I I grew up about 90 miles south of Rochester. I did my undergraduate degree at Geneseo. I did my master's degree at um, Brockport. And then I ended up doing my PhD at Binghamton. So I'm kind of something of a New York chauvinist. <laughs> and I lived in and around Rochester for quite some time. And I was very familiar with the story of Frederick Douglass. I was very familiar with the 19th century. But I realized I really knew nothing about the 20th century in Rochester. And so um, an undergraduate advisor of mine, Dr. Emily Crosby, suggested that I look at the city and the uprising that happened there in 1964. And of course, that took me both back in time and, and forward in time. And that's kind of how the book was born. What was the researching process like? Did you speak to community leaders who were activists during those years? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I actually started in the archives. Mm. Uh, I worked at the University of Rochester archive. I worked in the city archive. I was at the Strong Museum. They actually have an incredible archive there as well. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of kind of document preparatory work before I started my, my oral history. Um, I did interview somewhere around 40 people uh, that were in Rochester at the time. Some of them now live as far away as California and and Indiana, Mm -hmm. uh, but many of them are still there in Rochester. And so before I sort of endeavored to talk to them, I wanted to make sure I had a pretty good handle on the story, Mm -hmm. you know, in broad outline. Where does the title Strike the Hammer come from? It actually comes from a Bob Marley song. Um, the, the The rest of that line is, uh, strike the hammer while the iron is hot. And what I saw folks doing in Rochester was really striking the hammer while that iron was hot from the, the uprising that happened in 1964. There was a kind of organizing frenzy and they the the activists that were engaged in Rochester really used that to their advantage and forced some major concessions from, you know, the Kodak company and then really brought Xerox to the table to work with them as well. Mm -hmm. So as you just kind of touched upon, we know that Rochester was one of the first cities in the nation to experience an urban rebellion in 1964. Can you talk about where Rochester fits within the national picture of the black freedom struggle of the 1960s? Yeah, sure. You know, in some ways, Rochester was a little late to the civil rights movement game. And that wasn't because there weren't activists there trying to do the work. There absolutely were. It's just that the black population in Rochester was so small at that point that it was virtually impossible for them to engage in some of the other strategies that were taking place around the country, things like boycotts. Um, There just simply weren't enough black folks in Rochester to really do that. Mm The other thing was that the uh, NAACP in Rochester was really headed by uh, a number of well-meaning white folks at the time. And so it wasn't really a black organization. And what they were doing was was sort of supporting the movements that were taking place in the South rather than really looking in their own backyard at what problems existed in Rochester. 
And so, you know, you do see some some activity primarily around police brutality mm-hmm. in, and I would say, 1962 and 1963. Um, and then the uprising happens in, in 1964. And it's really kind of that organizing frenzy that takes place afterwards that that not only sort of pushes the civil rights movement to the fore in Rochester, but but also kind of forces the city into that transition to black power and some of the black power strategies and ideologies. I'm currently working on a project sharing the life and work of a local activist, Nancy Dupree. She was an RCSD teacher in the late 60s. And during that time, around 1970, she created a curriculum that celebrated black culture uh, because she saw that there was a need for it. In the 1970s, she went on to speak about civil rights issues in our area through poetry and theater. Can you describe what the political climate was like in Rochester in the 1960s, particularly for educators and artists? Sure. I mean, I think one of the one of the important things to know, and I don't spend a lot of time about this in in the book, is that the Rochester City School District was intensely segregated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Walter Cooper did a um, he undertook a serious research project and was able to demonstrate that that segregation in the city schools was as bad as or worse than New Rochelle, where, of course, that kind of cutting edge um, case took place. Mm. So the segregation was was absolutely part of what was going on. Um, in, in terms of arts and culture, I would really say folks in Rochester at this point weren't immune to arts arts and culture, but in the 1960s, they were really focused on jobs and economic opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was because they had been cut out of the economic scene in Rochester for so long. Is there anything that surprised you or challenged your assumptions about this period in Rochester? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that really didn't fit with the narrative that I had learned um, was the relationship between the black community, particularly the NAACP and the Nation of Islam, you know, in part because Rochester was so small, in part because, you know, people had come up together. There was very little friction between those organizations, mm-hmm. um, you know, not at all like you would see on the national scene. I was also really, really kind of blown away by the black power stance that many of the black ministers in the community sort of took on. That was really different than what we were seeing in a lot of other cities, particularly Mm. as early as 1964. What lessons does the black freedom struggle from the 20th century hold for us as a society today? Yeah, I mean, I I would say that absolutely everything they were facing in the 20th century, um, African-Americans in Rochester are still facing. Police brutality has um, has not abetted. In fact, I think it's um, worse now than it was then. Mm -hmm. School segregation is still a problem and jobs that that pay a living wage are still a problem. And so because these conditions are relentless, we have to be relentless in, in fighting against them. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming onto Art Blooms and sharing more about your book with our listeners. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Dr. Laura Warren Hill on her book, Strike the Hammer, The Black Freedom Struggle in Rochester, New York, 1940 to 1970. I'm Abby Clark. Until next time, let art bloom.